0: I spent the majority of this past week in Kansas City uh, at a conference, a minister's conference. And this was the first time that I've been around a a bunch of other ministers from around the country since the pandemic started. We usually meet in January and last year it was canceled. And so this was our our first meeting back. But the stories that I heard from people all over the country of trying to do ministry were very eye-opening, hearing how Fellow clergy have navigated the perfect storm of the pandemic and the lockdowns and the mask fights and the political upheaval and the racial tension. An older minister from Ohio who used to live in Kansas City got up to introduce our uh, keynote speaker who is a friend of mine, a Methodist pastor named Adam Hamilton. And, and he said this when he got up to introduce Adam, he said, a few years back, I hit a wall. I was tired and I was burned out. I didn't feel like I could press forward anymore in ministry. I lost my my drive, my passion, my call. I had nothing left to give. I was ready to quit. And he said, I was ready to go out to Arrowhead Stadium and sell beer at the Chief Games because at least people are nice to the beer guy. He said, and then I got a phone call from my friend Adam telling me that he could meet me at a restaurant in 20 minutes. And he did. And he met me there and and, and we sat down and the, the first thing he said to me was, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I want you to know first and foremost that you are my friend and I love you. And those words meant so much to him at that very moment because he was really, really having a hard time. You are my friend and I love you. The truth is, many of us have felt the same way that this minister felt a few years back. We've reached our breaking point. We have felt exhausted and stressed and discouraged. We've wondered how much more chaos and uncertainty and division we can handle. And just about everybody, I think, is looking for somebody to show up and say, I want you to know you are my friend and I love you. But sometimes we don't genuinely check in on each other. We ask the question, how are you doing? And we don't really listen for the answer. Our our culture of fear and survival has made us less likely to reach out and check on the people that we love and care about. And I think that's got to change. Before he passed away in the fall of 2020, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who wrote that book, Morality, that I recommended last year, he warned of the dangers of becoming a culture that moved from us and we to a culture of I and me. He said, when you start living in a world where everybody is concerned only about themselves, then things start to break down. And then you throw a two-year pandemic on top of that, and, and that doesn't help it. That doesn't make it any better. And I don't think we've talked nearly enough about What this lack of social contact and interaction has done to us emotionally and spiritually and relationally, you know, human beings are not meant to live in isolation apart from each other. We are social creatures. We're meant to live in community, connected, talking around each other. We find our meaning and our purpose in life from being around each other. The quality of our lives will always be directly tied to the quality of our relationships. And this is where we find joy and, and meaning. This is where we gather strength and support. We live life in community and not just by ourselves. So I'm flying back on Thursday from Kansas City and I am uh, changed my plane ticket, came back a little bit early and I'm sitting next to an older couple from Kansas City, and I got the bulkhead seat legroom right and um really nice couple. they were coming to Nashville to visit their son to watch their grandson play basketball, lived in Brentwood and She leaned over to me after we took off and 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 she kind of nodded towards her husband and she said, um, "He has stage four cancer started in his lungs, and now it's in his brain and and he just doesn't have that much." more time and so we're coming to see our grandson play basketball. Maybe we should look around and see that there's somebody that we know that we need to check in on because they're barely struggling, they're barely hanging on. They're ready to give up and they could really benefit from words like you're my friend and I love you. <laughs> that just might give them the hope that they need to press forward in a time where many people are are stressed out and exhausted. So we're in the sermon series called Simply Jesus, and we're journeying through Matthew's gospel. And uh, Jay preached last week from Matthew 7, today we come to to Matthew 8. Two weeks ago, I I talked to you about fear and anxiety, that was a Sunday it was supposed to snow, and it snowed later, right? Um, Talked about fear and anxiety and how we all deal with it, especially right now, it's a a real part of our lives. And then last week, Jay talked about in Matthew 7, where Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened for you. And then he said, perhaps this is a call for us to pray with more expectation that God will do things and is doing things in our lives if we ask. Today in Matthew 8, it's evening time. Jesus and his disciples get on a boat. They head out to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Matthew tells us that a great windstorm arises and waves start crashing against the boat and the winds are blowing and the boat is being swamped. But Jesus, probably tired from teaching, giving the sermon on the mount all day. He was in the stern of the boat asleep and the disciples begin to panic because they often did. And they go and they wake him up and they say, Lord, save us. We are perishing. And with that, Jesus gets up and he asks them, well, why are you afraid? You have little faith. He gets up, he rebukes the wind and the sea and there's a dead calm and the disciples were filled with with great awe and wonder. And they said, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now in Mark's account, Jesus actually says these words, peace, be still. But whatever it was that happened on the boat, the storm died down, the winds died down, and the disciples were utterly amazed. You know, we all face storms in life, every single one of us. In fact, I would say that that. Some of us are getting tired of storms. Uh, we want some blue skies and some calm. There are all kinds of storms. And and, and we panic and we get overwhelmed. And you think about a, a, a close friend of, of all of ours who's battling a brain tumor right now. She's 42 and she's in hospice care. Think about people going through a difficult divorce with lawyers and custody battles, that's a storm. You think about people that, that, that find out their spouse is cheating on them and they have an affair and, and that's a storm. Drinking problems that have gotten out of control, the backstabbing of a friend, the loss of a job, financial hardships, miscarriages when a couple's so excited their baby's coming into the world and, and then they lose that baby. Parents get dementia, you have to take care of them, a teenager becomes addicted, gets kicked out of school. Life has always been full of storms. And in those storms, we feel like the waves are beating on us. The winds are howling. The rain's falling. We can't see what's ahead. And sometimes we don't know if we're going to make it through the storm because it feels overwhelming. The storm on the Sea of Galilee was consuming the disciples. They They were afraid. They were panicking. They didn't know what to do. And so they go to Jesus. And what does he say? He asks him, why are you afraid? You have little faith. You know, the storms that we've all been through or are going through right now, some people have it really, really tough. Some people think they have it tough. Other people can make a really big deal out of a small thing. And sometimes in the midst of our storms, we feel like we can't move forward and we find ourselves saying, Jesus, help me, please help me. What we're looking for, I think, is a sense of calm. A feeling that things are not out of control, that God has not left us to fend for ourselves, that the hurt or the pain that we are experiencing will not last forever. And based on my experience, it doesn't. But it certainly can last for a while. It can last a lot longer than we wanted it to or or hoped it would. So, So what that means is we have to be able sometimes to find a sense of calm even when the storm rages on longer than we would have guessed, longer than we might have wanted. I have a friend in Lexington, Kentucky, pastors of church there. He was at the meeting this week, and his name is David. And I'm going to give David credit for what I'm going to share with you this morning because he spoke to us on the, the last day of the gathering, Thursday morning. And he said, but there's been times in his life when he felt like the first person, when he wanted to quit, when he wanted to give up, when he felt like he had hit a wall and he, he couldn't press forward. And he said that one time he was out in Phoenix trying to start a church and things weren't going well. The church wasn't taking off. People weren't coming. Uh, and he just felt like he was failing and, and, he, and he was frustrated. But he said, you know, I have this set of questions that I come back to every time I feel like I'm in a storm and I need help. And, and these questions have helped me. And I'm going to share these with you this morning because they really spoke to me. The first question he said is, are you prayed up? Have you prayed to God and opened your heart to receive the courage and strength to face whatever it is you're facing right now? You know, Jay said last Sunday, prayer is the primary way that we connect with God. And one sure way to not connect with God is to never pray. Prayer is a mystery, but I promise you it works. If you don't know what to say, then then say the Lord's Prayer and then add on to that. But here's one truth. We cannot and will not find calm and peace in our lives if we're trying to do everything under the sun and we never stop and ask God to help us. But I like what Jerry Sitzer says in his book, When God Doesn't Answer Your Prayer, because all of us wonder why we pray for some things and they don't come true. Sitzer says, you know, prayer is dangerous because God may choose to answer our prayers through us. It is impossible to pray as a disinterested party, an uninvolved party. We are part of the very spiritual ecosystem that we live in and pray for. And how God answers our prayer, he says, may actually require something from us. We might become part of the solution to the problem that we're praying about. In other words, if we pray to God for something to happen, then God might want us involved in making that happen. Prayer is neglected by too many people. This is the primary way that we talk to God. And when we pray, we should expect things to happen. It may not always be what we wanted to happen or what we thought would happen, but we should expect things to happen. Second question that he raised, are you friended up? When we go through hard times in life, the worst thing we can do is isolate ourselves. Because hard times only get harder when we feel all alone. Looking back on my own life, I could have... Couldn't have made it through certain situations without my friends. When Jesus started his ministry, he went to the wilderness to pray. What did he do after that? He called his disciples, 12 of them. He surrounded himself with people that he needed to help him accomplish what he was trying to do. Were these people perfect? No. Did they always get along? No. Did they always agree with Jesus? No. One sold him out for some pieces of silver. But Jesus knew that there was no way to take on the challenges of life and ministry without an inner group to support him. And guess what? The people that we choose to be around will influence us for better or worse. So be careful in your selection. Most of the time when we are worked up, when we are afraid, when we feel lost and hopeless, we need somebody else to step in and say, calm down. It's not that bad. Things are going to be all right. And yet, many people live lonely lives. They don't let people in because they've been burned or hurt or disappointed. I and mean, guess what? We all get burned. We all get disappointed, but that's, that's when we need people to, to, to come back in and say, no, I'm going to be here for you. You're my friend. I love you. Are you friended up? Third question, <clears throat> are you run up? This is the question of self-care. I'm, I'm not a runner, uh, I'm kind of jealous of people who can run eight or 10 miles and <clears throat> actually feel good while doing it. Uh, but I do know this, neglecting some type of physical exercise is a big mistake and sadly too many of us do this. And not only do we do this, instead of exercising, we, we do other things like drink a bottle of wine or make four cocktails or you know what I'm saying. That might help us relax. But our physical bodies need exercise. We need to keep the heart rate up, get our blood flowing. This is that time of year, you know, January and February, where people tend to neglect exercise. It's too cold, it's too dark. We've blown off our New Year's resolutions by now. But just 15 to 20 minutes a day can make a huge difference. And we've all learned the hard way as we get older (laughs) that this is more and more difficult. Fourth question Are you read up? I try to read all the time. And the reason why is because if you teach and preach and write for a living, then you always need new thoughts going into your brain. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Just like our bodies need physical exercise, so do our brains. But you have to pay attention to what you are reading and what you are watching. There is a lot of junk out there. Not everything you see or read online or in print is true. I've recommended a book for the series. It's by N.T. Wright called Simply Jesus, the same title as the series. And I would say it's worth getting, but towards the beginning of the book, N.T. Wright says that Jesus was not the kind of king that the people were expecting. He wasn't the kind of king that they were hoping for. He said they were looking for a builder to construct the home that they wanted but he was the architect coming with a new plan that would give them everything they needed but within quite a new framework work they were looking for a singer to sing the song that they had been humming for a long time but he was the composer bringing them a new song he was the king all right but he had come to redefine kingship itself around his own work his own mission his own fate This is just one example of a book that can get you thinking about your faith and about what it means to follow Christ, what it means to to look to him as your Lord and Savior. But I think we have to be read up. And being read up also includes reading the Bible on a regular basis. Right now we're studying Matthew. Read the Bible on a regular basis. The last question I have for you this morning, and this is my question and I'm adding to the other questions. Are you fired up? Are you excited to get up every day and live your life? Or do you feel beat down because of the way things have been? You know, this week we're going to roll out a, a new visioning process here at Woodmont. And, and we're, we're going to be visioning in lots of different areas of our church so that we can move forward and move into the next chapter of what God has in store. And, and we want you to be on board. We want your help. We're going to ask what interests you might have in these different areas. But I really believe something. Moving forward, I think you will see a difference between people who choose to live their life by faith versus fear. This is not about masks. It's not about who's responsible and who isn't. This is a fundamental question about whether you will choose to live your life in faith, by faith, or by fear. And guess what? This was a choice that we all got to make before the pandemic ever showed up. This is a fundamental question that we must answer in life. Am I going to live by faith or by fear? Will we dread getting up in the morning because of what might happen, or will we embrace the day and all of the opportunities that it brings? And if somebody is struggling, if somebody is hurting, then will we go to them and say, You're my friend. And I love you. The storms are there. But I promise you, Jesus offers us calm, even in the middle of the storm. Amen.